This morning we're wrapping up our study on Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Now these six verses kind of sit right in the middle of of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus' kingdom manifesto about how things are done and how lives are to be lived in his kingdom. And I understand 2,000 years ago on the grassy hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus told those gathered that their lives, that they would be empowered to live, are to be distinct and different from the world around them and from the religious leaders over them. Distinct and different in regards to such things as lust, anger, marriage, divorce, truth-telling, keeping our word, responding when we're wrong, how we treat our enemies and our need to be seen by others, where we store up our treasures, distinct and different in how we deal with anger, deal with rather anxiety and worry. And as we began unpacking last week, distinct and different in how we judge other people. Uh, You've heard it said by the world and religious leaders, but I say unto you, this is how we do it in our kingdom. Now last week, we did a deep dive on these two verses. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Or as the King James Version words it, judge not, lest you be judged. For in the same way, some would say in the same way, you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And we said last week that both Christians and non-Christians have weaponized Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, lest you be judged. In an effort to prevent anyone from making a moral judgment on their life. You cannot tell me how to live. Who are you to tell me that this behavior is right or wrong? After all, your very own Jesus said, judge not. Let's you be judged. And listen, where we landed last week after looking at that verse in its context and looking at a bunch of other scriptures is that Matthew 7, in Matthew 7, Jesus is not telling us that we're to live our lives without any discernment. He's not telling us that we have no right or even an obligation to speak into the life of another Jesus follower about a sinful or ungodly behavior. And Jesus is not telling us that we must hide and remain silent about certain biblical truths because the culture that we live in would be offended and label our words as, and us, as hateful. Instead, what Jesus is telling us is that when it comes to judging others, we need to be very, very careful. Get it? Good. Here's the deal. What Jesus is calling out, he's not calling out Judging, he's calling out being judgmental. And there's a huge difference between the two. You see, judging someone is about discerning truths based on facts. Being judgmental is about being censorious, extremely critical, and finding fault with people without cause based on personal feelings or assumptions. And so the issue is not really whether or not we judge, but rather how we judge, and who we judge. After all, Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearance, but instead, judge correctly. Literally in the Greek, it says, but judge with righteous judgment. So actually, we are called to judge others, but to judge them 
correctly, to judge them rightly, to judge them with righteous judgment. And listen, it's so very important that we get this issue right. Because the misunderstanding, the misapplying, and the abuse of these verses, and the the entire subject of judging others for that matter, has led Jesus' followers down some very wrong and destructive paths over the years. Like the path of becoming so self-righteous and so full of hate and a judgmental attitude that we've rightly earned the label of Christians are so judgmental, they're so narrow-minded, so hateful. Yeah, they hate us, so I'm going to hate them back. It's also led Christians down the, the path of believing that they have no right to to speak into a life of a fellow Jesus follower who's caught up in a destructive sin or behavior. Who am I to judge? I mean, I have my own issues too. And, and it's also led Christians down the path of hiding their light, hiding the light of biblical moral truth under a basket in order to avoid being labeled by the culture as being judgmental, intolerant, and promoting hate. And listen, if you missed the conversation last week, I really want to encourage you to check it out online. This is such an important topic. It's one of the main accusations the church gets. So many wrong paths that we can walk down. You can listen on our website, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, tune in, all over the place, right? But it's so important that we get this right. Now, often when we try to determine what we should do in regards to something, it's good to know what we're not to do, Right? And so, a quick review of how we are not to judge. Don't judge superficially. In other words, don't judge by mere appearance. Uh, don't judge without having all the facts. You know, you know, making a judgment when you only have part of the story, judging someone by just a snapshot of their life, because things are not always as they appear. Now, last week I had this awesome picture I showed you, right? the quick flash, and you had to guess what it was, and everyone said an eye, what actually was a sink draining. Okay, I'm going to do another quick flash, and tell me what you see when you see this picture. Well, that, a little bit longer. Okay, I don't know if you, I don't know if you, okay. It's not as good as the eyeball, I admit it, but I, I, was, I, I was searching hard. Here, check this out. What do you see? She was bit by a werewolf and has a hairy arm, or is it her husband on the other side? Who's snuggling her, right? I saw they go, wait a second, what happened to her arm? She was big by work. No, okay. The whole point is, right, things are not, ladies, shave your arm. No, things are not always appear. That's actually her husband's arm, right? So, her, that's a child that looks like a lady. She's got lipstick on. I feel like I'm being judged right now. <laughs> You're so judgmental, narrow-minded. Okay, it's a child. Whatever. It, she didn't look like a child to me. <laughs> you know what? You're a terrible church. <laughs> so judgmental. Make it my point. That was totally planned. No, not really. Okay. Hey, don't judge superficially. Uh, don't judge hypocritically. In other words, don't judge without considering your own sin. In other words, don't judge like the Pharisee in, in Luke chapter 18. I thank God 
that I'm not like all those sinners out there, right? I go to church even on the days that we spring forward on our clocks. Don't judge hypocritically. Uh, Don't judge unwarily. From the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. See, the way we judge others is how God is going to judge us. And we've seen this pattern before, right? Jesus said, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you show mercy, God will show mercy to you. And here in our text, if you, the way you judge others is how God will judge you. And, and, and listen, another way I think we see this show up in our lives, the measure you use will be measured unto you, is that many times the way we judge others is how people will more than likely judge us. What goes around comes around. In other words, if we judge other people superficially, harshly, angrily, ungraciously, without having all the facts, we judge others by their worst moment, we should not be surprised if that is how other people in turn judge us. Get it? Good. Next, don't judge outsidedly. That's a new word. Um, It means if someone's outside the family of God, Uh, we don't hold them accountable for Christian family values, right? Like we don't expect them to act like Jesus before they actually surrender to Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't speak up for biblical truth. I'm not saying that at all. We are to be salt and light. I'm just saying that if someone is outside the family of God, we do not hold them accountable for family values of the kingdom. Don't judge preferentially. In other words, don't judge by your own preferences, your own likes, your own dislikes, because our preferences are just like that. There are preferences. You know, when we read the New Testament, we see the early church struggle with this. I only eat this kind of food. I I celebrate these special days. I had this very specific medical procedure. Great. Good. If those things help you draw closer to God, great. But those things are not necessarily my things. Don't judge preferentially. Don't judge enjoyably. As I said last week, if judging others is one of your favorite pastimes, if pointing out the faults of others makes you happy and makes you feel alive inside, that's a problem. That's not good. And finally, don't judge condemningly. See, the end goal in in judging correctly is not condemnation, but rather restoration. Get it? Good. Now, this morning, we're going to look at removing specks and knowing when to not. But before we go there, I have a brief announcement from our sponsor. Um, Decision Sunday is next Sunday. And, 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 you know, we've been saying for several weeks that it's... There's a lot of decisions that need to be made that day. Um, Hey, no, no, the good thing is, see, I want to see if you're all paying attention. How do you know? That's the old slide I had from last week. You know. I thought this would go much better today than it's actually going. <laughs> but at least you're having fun, right? 
got a, anybody got a Sharpie? Okay, March 19th. Okay. Anyhow. Hey, special announcement. March 19th, Decision Sunday, all right? And, and it's for everybody, right? Like, like maybe you need to make a decision to join the church. Maybe a decision to start reading your Bible, start praying. Maybe to join a life group, start attending a Bible study. Maybe to start serving in the church. Basically, what decision do you need to make that will help you grow in your walk with God and grow in your commitment to his church? Now, one decision is, again, you know, like to join the church. And um, we have these videos I, I put together. Um, I think I took a screenshot of the, the page. You go, if you go to our website and, and you go to Who Are We? And, and you, you click on Belong Videos, you'll see the statement here and a bunch of videos I put together about you know, who we are, what we believe, uh, what we're trying to do, and how we're structured. And, and the way it kind of works is I ask people to, you know, to watch these videos. There's four videos, a total of like 59 minutes. And I always let people know, like, on YouTube, you can, like, when I watch something on YouTube, I do it in two times speed, right? You know, because, uh, you know, come on, come on, give me quicker. And so it only takes you a half hour, right, at two times speed. You can do it 1.75, 1.5, 1.25. You want it to last longer, you can even have me talk even slower, right? Uh, I wouldn't recommend that. But anyhow, you watch these videos, and, and then you go, hey, Steve, uh, Hey, I want to be part of, of, of Maple Grove because we think it's important to make a, a wise decision, right? To make sure, hey, do our beliefs align? Do our visions align, right? And, and do I want to go in the same direction that the church is going? And so if you've watched those videos, then you give me a call and say, hey, Steve, hey, we don't have any questions. We want to join the church. And so um, some of you can make that decision next week. We have a family here who watched those videos you know, and, and uh, they want to join today, and Justin and his family are going to come up here. Justin and Bree. She's terrified of being on stage. <laughs> she can stand behind me. Yeah, you could. <laughs> this is Justin and Bree, and uh, they watch the videos, and they're wanting to join us here, and What's your daughter's first name again? Veda? Veda is back there, and you have... Everly, she's also in uh, Children's Church. Everly's in Children's Church right now, and, and uh, um, this is a dad who said, hey, you know what, you're going to come on stage today, and, and uh, uh, we appreciate that, um, that you guys want to be a part of what we're doing here, and, and um, Bree works at uh, Agnahert as a counselor, and uh, school system is a, is a tough place to be, and, and she could definitely use a lot of prayers, and, and for all our teachers in their prayers, especially you know, that, you know, in that environment, they can find some fellow believers to kind of link up and encourage each other. And, and you're at NJIC or DIA? Um, and Justin's at um, NJIC. And so I'm going to pray for them and, uh, and let uh, Veda get off the stage real quick. <laughs> you can go sit down if you want. <laughs> Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. And uh, we thank you for your church. Uh, we're so grateful that we do not have to uh, run the Christian race alone. And God, I just pray for this family right now. God, I pray your blessings on them. Uh, God, I, I pray for Bree as she um, works in the school system, helping counsel kids. God, I pray that you would just encourage her. 
uh, God, I pray that you would surround her, um, make her aware, make the other Christians aware that they're, they're not alone in there. Um, just, God, give her some uh, people to run with in that job. And, and God, I, I pray for Justin and Enjik that you'll continue to use him, um, use him to be a light for you in that place. Uh, help him to be the dad you want him to be, the husband you want him to be. Help be the, the, the mom and wife you want him to be. And God, I, I pray for their children as they go to school. Um, God, that you just encourage them. Give them good friends and good experiences, God. And I pray that you'll um, help them, help us to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Welcome, buddy. Awesome. Awesome. So you just watch those videos double speed, and, and give me a call. <laughs> Another decision um, that people may want to make um, next week is the decision to be baptized. Um, uh, but as I always say, that decision can be made 24-7, right? You know, when, when someone's ready, they're ready. I don't believe in waiting. If you're ready, hey, let's do it. If the water's cold, like it was for uh, Jeff Kavanagh when he was baptized, hey, water's cold, we're going to jump in there anyhow because you're ready to go. There's no reason to wait. But I, I want to read a few scriptures and, uh, about the importance of baptism. Um, I also have a really uh, awesome video I put together, 16 minutes, only 8 minutes, 2 times speed, 12 minutes at 1.5, right? You know, uh, where I talk about um, why baptism is a big deal. Um, but, but I'll let scripture um, do some talking about it. Uh, Matthew 28 we read, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whatever does not believe will be condemned. Acts 2, 38 and 41, Peter's preaching to the crowd at the day of Pentecost, they're convicted that he killed Jesus. They know they're in deep trouble. They asked Peter, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all on whom the Lord our God will call. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Paul in Acts chapter 22 is talking about his conversion into in Christ. He's three days from his um, encounter Christ on the road to Damascus. He's hanging out at a guy named Ananias' house. He's been praying and fasting for three days. And Ananias walks up to him and says, And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. In Romans 6.3, we read, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Galatians 3, 26 and 27, Paul writes, So in Christ you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Peter in 1 Peter 3, 21 is talking about how the waters of the flood saved Noah from the wicked and evil world. It says, and this water, waters of the flood symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. 
uh, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so looking at these scriptures, uh, when a repentant believer is baptized, is immersed according to scripture, they become a disciple, they are saved, their sins are forgiven, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Their sins are washed away as they call on the name of the Lord. They move into Christ, they contact his death, and they rise to live a new life. They're clothed to Christ, they become a child of God, and they are saved. So baptism is like a really huge deal. Uh, that's why we practice it at Maple Grove. And, and again, that's kind of a summary of the video I put together. And what I ask people to do is, hey, watch those videos. If you have any questions, give me a call, and l- let's do this thing. And Again, if you're here today, you just saw what Scripture says. <laughs> you don't need to wait, right? You can take care of that today before you walk out of those doors. And if you believe in Jesus, you love Jesus, and you've never done that, you know, uh, we saw what Scripture says. I would say, hey, why don't you do it today? Amen? Amen. And so next week, Decision Sunday, join the church. I'm going to have little cards, right? Don't let the cards scare you, right? Where you can say, hey, here's my decision. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to serve. I'm going to find a ministry in the community to, uh, to serve in the honor of the name of Jesus, all right? All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you. And God, it's so good to be in your house with your people, to know that you love us, you pursue us, you care for us, you're preparing a place for us. And And God, as we lean into your word a little bit more today, God, help us to get this right. God, forgive us for all the times we got it wrong. Forgive us for all the times that we came at people, Lord, not in compassion and humility, but in judgment, Lord, being harsh at them, God, just wanting to point out their faults. And God, forgive us for those times when maybe we've seen a a brother or sister in Christ walking down a wrong road and we were too afraid and didn't love them enough, God, to speak your truth into their life. Forgive us for that. And God, forgive us for those times that we do seem and we earn the right that we're so judgmental towards the world, always criticizing those who are not in your family. And, and God, also forgive us for those times that we We keep silent when we should speak. And all this is so hard for us to navigate. And God, without your spirit helping us, we're going to mess up in the future. And we just ask for your help. And I ask God that you would just help me to to speak your word in the way that you want it to, God. Um, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to look at verse 6 first because I want to wrap up with verses 3 through 5. Um, removing specks. And so we're going to start with um, the point, knowing when to not. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 7, verse 6, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. That's kind of harsh. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now, have you ever heard the expression, don't cast your pearls before swine? Now, in my studies, I came across a story about a lady. can't remember her name. She was a teacher who lived in England, rather an author. And one day she was entering a building, and a younger lady held the door for her and said to her, age before beauty. 
And as she walked through, she said, pearls before swine. <laughs> and that's not what that verse means. Uh, but but I, I got I to give her some props for that comeback. That was a, a really, really good comeback. So what is Jesus teaching us in, in this verse? Uh, let's try to define some terms. Now, those days, dogs, apart from dogs that were raised to herd flocks, were not like the dogs we have today. Domesticated pets that we house, that we feed, that can actually seem like they're part of the family. And said they were scavengers that roamed the streets in packs, eating garbage, causing trouble, and they were often vicious and dangerous. In fact, when Jezebel in 2 Kings chapter 9 fell out of the window, dogs actually came and they totally ate her <laughs> completely. So when you hear the word dog, don't think of this. Oh, <laughs> Oh, is she cute? That's, that's my dog. And she's looking at me saying, like, yo, dude, are we ready to go home, right? I'm ready to get out of this office. We've been here too long. Is it time to go? So don't think of a, a cute little white German shepherd named Story, right? Think of this. Okay. Okay. Think of that. Right. Okay. And, 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 and what is this thing that is sacred referring to? When you went to the temple to make a sacrifice, some of the sacrifice went on the altar, some the priests had, and some you were able to take home. And no one would even consider throwing something that's sacred to, to a dog. And not only that, after you gave that to the dog, there's a good chance the dog would do what? Attack you. And tear you into pieces. Literally biting the hand that fed them. And then Jesus also says, do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet. Now, pigs were unclean animals to Jewish people. Like, pigs are never spoken about positively in Scripture ever. And I love bacon. I love pork pork, right? But no one, yeah, I got a picture of a pig, right? Like, no one would say, hey, you know what? I got these valuable pearls. You know what? I think I'm just going to throw them to this pig. Because what would happen is the pig would think, oh, they just threw me some food. It would crack its tooth and go, this ain't food. Spit it out and do what? Trample it under its feet, right? It's worthless to me. I'm going to trample it under my feet. Now, Jesus' illustration, the sacred thing in pearls, I'm convinced represent the gospel and the message of the kingdom. Matthew 13, he actually talks about a man, you know, finding a pearl, right? And selling it for all he had, talking about the kingdom. And so who are the pigs and who are the dogs? Well, Jesus is talking about certain kinds of people. He's saying some people are pigs and some people are dogs. Now, referring to a person as a pig or a dog is extreme language that's kind of troubling to our modern politically correct ears. However, as John Stott writes in his commentary, Jesus always called a spade a spade. His outspokenness led him to call Herod, that fox, and the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees whitewashed tombs and a brood of vipers. He affirms there are certain human beings who act like animals and may therefore be accurately designated dogs and pigs, end quote. You see, these are people who, like dogs, attack both the message and the messenger, 
In fact, in 2 Peter, he refers to false prophets as dogs. And they're people who, like pigs, do not recognize the beauty and value of the pearls of biblical truth. I mean, they see biblical truth, but they ascribe to it no value. They trample it under their feet and drag it through the mud. Understand, they not only reject biblical truth, they seek to mock it, defame it, belittle it, ridicule, and destroy it. One of my commentators wrote, just as dogs will fail to show proper reverence for sacrificial meat, and pigs will fail to value precious pearls, the wicked will fail to value and show reverence for the message of the kingdom. Don't throw what is sacred to the dogs, and don't cast your pearls to swine. Now, I think Jesus is one of the best Gives us, gives us one of the best commentaries for what he's talking about. In Matthew chapter 10, he's talking about when he sent his guys out to spread the gospel. Matthew 10, verses 11 through 15. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Now notice Jesus tells us not to judge in advance who will receive or reject the gospel. Only God knows the human heart. So we offer the good news without discrimination. However, when it's rejected with hostility and force, with contempt and disdain, we must move on. Others will listen, and they'll believe, and it's our calling to go and find them. In fact, we see Paul doing this very thing in the book of Acts, in chapter 13, when he's in Pisidian Antioch, and the Jewish leaders are inciting the city leaders to drive them out. Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. Hey, you don't want what we have. You're hostile what we have. We're going somewhere else. In Acts chapter 18, in his missionary journey, he's in Corinth. Some people are getting very hostile and angry towards him, violent, abusive. And we read in Acts 18.6, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I'm innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So there's a time when we're to dust off our feet and move on and not throw a proposal for swine or toss our sacrifice what is sacred to the animals. Now, I really like what John Stott says here in his commentary. We cannot possibly deduce from this, however, that Jesus was forbidding us to preach the gospel to unbelievers. To suppose this would stand the whole New Testament on its head and contradict the Great Commission that said, go and make disciples of all nations. However, we're not to cheapen God's gospel by letting them trample it underfoot. Can anything be more depraved than the Mistake God's precious pearl for a thing of no worth and actually tread it into the mud. He continues. At the same time, it's a very serious step to take to give up on people. I can only think of only one or two occasions in my experience that I have felt it might be the right thing to do. The teaching of Jesus here is for exceptional situations only. Our normal Christian duty is to be patient and persevere with people as God has been patient and persevere with us. Does that make sense? 
But there comes a time, right? It's like, hey, I'm not doing any good here. They're hostile to the message. And there's other people that I would share the message to and they would listen. Okay? And, and, and this you got to do with prayer, right? Because we're not smart. Hey, God, God, is it time for me to check out? There are other people that my time would be more fruitfully spent with, right? Okay? But there, there comes a time when we have to do that. And, and I would not do that without asking God for help and wisdom and guidance. Amen? Does that make sense? All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, hey, if you don't get it, Mike will help you out after church, man. He's my amen brother right there. Uh, all right. Okay. But that's what it means. And, it, you know, it's a tough passage, but it, we need to understand difficult things. And, and now I want to remove in specks. When you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and look, there's a log in your eye. Hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right? And Jesus is using exaggeration, hyperbole here, right? You know, and, and, and it's kind of like, you know, like if, you had, like if you had a twig in your eye right now, all right, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> Hey, you know what? Let me help you with that twig here. You know, I mean, you're like, get away from me, right? I mean, it's supposed to be hilarious, right? Just like, no one would, get away from me until you get that plank out of your eye, right? Yeah, don't come near me until you do that, okay? And, and, and let's note a few things. Uh, this is talking about people, right? Your brother. So it's talking about people in the kingdom, right? In the Christian family. And let's also note that Jesus is actually wanting us to eventually get around to getting the speck. And actually, you know, King James just says moat, right? Get the moat out of the eye. This word can mean a stick, a twig, or a, a straw. That's not like a tiny speck, but that's what most translations went with. And, uh, but he says, hey, but first get the plank out of your eye and then do this. Now, now some people think and that, that like the, with this plank in my eye, right, it represents like, like I have some really great, huge, terrible sin. And the speck is like they got a real little sin, right? And, and like you got this great sin. And I don't think that's his point. See, what I think the plank is, I think the plank is about being a self-righteous hypocrite. And so you first have to remove the, so how do you remove the speck from your brother's eye? First, by not coming at them with a self-righteous, arrogant, prideful, judgmental, I am so much better than you. Oh, you sinner, let me help you get the speck out of your eye. Understand, when we remove the speck from a brother or sister's eye, it's to be done with a humble spirit and with the goal of restoration. And listen, the reason why this is so important for all of us to get right, and please listen, is because one day, the one with the speck is going to be you, and one day, the one with the speck is going to be me. And when that happens, I don't want someone coming at me, trying to help me, with the plank of self-righteousness sticking out of their eye. Amen? I mean, just a few verses down in Matthew 7, 12, we come to what we know as the golden, golden rule, which says that we are to do to others 
as we will want them what? To do to us, right? And so, like, if we don't want someone coming to us with self-righteous, hypocritical, arrogant, prideful judgment, then guess what? We don't come at them the same way. Amen? I'm saying the family of God, when, when someone strays, family members come alongside of them in humility and say, I love you too much to let you go down that road. Let's get you back on the right path. And here's the deal. We must be willing to help others, and we must be willing to allow others to come to us and be open to correction. And this is what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, when he says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit shall restore that person gently. But carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. But watch yourselves, or you too may be tempted. And I think the temptation here is to see a sinning brother and to come at them with a self-righteous, judgmental attitude. Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And, and don't miss this. He says, brothers and sisters. So he's talking about someone who's inside the family. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a, what? Say it with me. Caught in a sin. Hey, wait a minute. Who are you to say that's a sin? Who are you to judge that as a sin? Again, we're talking about people inside the family. And listen, in God's family, we all agree that, that, that God's word is truth, but it's not only that is truth, but that God's word is the authority in our life for what is right and what is wrong. In other words, when the Bible is clear about something, then we're going to live according to it. Question, if someone in God's family is living in a way that it's contrary to God's word, what do we call that? We call it sin. Is that politically correct? Not so much. Who are you to say that's a sin? Well, this is our family rules. Again, we don't judge those outside the family to our family rules, but those inside, hey, these are our rules. So if someone we love is living contrary to God's word, we call it sin. And according to God's family rule book, those who live by the Spirit should do what to that person? Gossip about them? Throw them out of the church? Kick them while they're down? Like, like, do we shoot our own wounded? Tell them, you are a wicked sinner. You are going to hell where the worm never dies and where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth unless you repent before me right now in Jesus' name. Is that what we do? Of course not. Then what do we do? You who live by the Spirit should do what? You should restore that person how? Gently. You know, the eye's a pretty delicate, delicate thing, right? It takes a very skilled surgeon. I had one when I had some eye surgery for double vision who actually went in and cut the mus one of the muscles of my eye and re-sewed it to level my eye out, right? Like, heck, I can't even tie a knot in my shoe half the time, right? So you're talking... It's, our eye is very delicate. You have to do things gently. You don't come in there with a, a screwdriver to operate on someone's eye. We restore them 
carefully, gently. I said, the same grace that you would like to show to you, you show to them. The same understanding that you would want to show to you, you show to them. The same mercy that God has shown you, you show to them. Yes, you who are spiritual are to restore them, to help them get back on track. And you do it with love. You do it with compassion. You do it with humility. You do it gently. And you do it with great care. Amen? And you do it with grace. Then Paul says this, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. And so the moment we start correcting others, we become vulnerable to pride and to self-righteousness. Scripture says pride become, comes before a fall. We don't want to fall. We can fall victim, right, to the sin of pride and self-righteousness. And let me tell you, God hates pride, self-righteousness, and arrogance. Proverbs 8, 13 says, I hate pride and arrogance, right? So I didn't make it up. God hates it. It's like, really, you? I mean, think about it. Self-righteous? Like, I'm righteous on my own? That doesn't even sound good when we think about it, right? And, and that Pharisee in Luke 18 who prayed? I thank God I'm like, like all these other sinners out there. Guess what? He didn't go and justified that day. He didn't go forgiven that day. Because he didn't think he needed to be. So the moment we start down the removing speck road, we have to be wise. We have to have discernment. We have to have tons and tons of wisdom. Tons and tons of humility. Or we might be tempted with pride and self-righteousness. Get it? Good. Then Paul says, here's what we do in the family of God. This is what we do. We carry each other's burdens. Uh, when, when someone's down, we take the burden off them. We, we love them back. We carry each other's burdens, and this way we fulfill all of Christ. Understand, removing specks is always about restoring falling believers. We don't shoot our wounded. We love them. We pray for them. And we do everything we can to help restore them to the right path to the path we find in our family rules. Yes, this is who we are as Jesus followers. And this is how we do it. The same grace that forgives us is the same grace that we use to restore others. And we don't pretend like sin's not a big deal. And we don't kick people out of the church and shun them. We love them back into the fellowship. If someone's caught in the sin, we call it sin. It may not be popular in our world today, but that's what we call it. And we don't kick the person when they're down. <laughs> because guess what? We sin too. So we love them back gently, praying that they will be restored to even greater service than before because that's how our God does it. That's who our God is. Amen? And how, we do, and how do we do this? It's so important. When Jesus came, it says in John 1, 1 and 14, that he, Jesus came full of grace and Grace and truth. And, 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 and I think grace comes first for a reason because without grace, truth is hard to digest, right? Well, without grace, truth tends to drive people away. And listen, we flip it to the other side. When it's all grace and no truth, oh, God loves you. You can do whatever you want. God loves everybody. Who am I to judge you? 
All behavior is equal. All beliefs are equal. You can do whatever you want. Understand, when there's all grace and no truth, that leads to people feeling and believing that they can live any way that they want. Understand, Jesus came full of grace. And listen, it's his kindness that draws people to repentance. And he came full of truth. And it's his truth and his truth alone that truly sets people free. And that's how we as Jesus followers are to do it when it comes to removing specks. Again, when someone strays inside the family, we shower them with grace. We love them enough to tell them the truth. You're going down a path that's going to hurt you. It's a path that might hurt other people. And it's a path that is already hurting your walk with God. And that's how we do it in God's family. Because we know that when someone falls by the grace and the truth of God, they can be restored. Amen? Let me kind of summarize, real quick summary about removing specks. How to do it, okay? Um, do it planklessly, right? That should be a word, right? You know, and, and all that means is, hey, be aware that you're a sinner and, and need of grace and, and do it without pride. Do it without self-righteousness, right? Uh, uh, do it biblically. Make sure they're, make sure it's only a speck if God says it's a speck, right? <laughs> right? You, you know, just because you think it's a speck, maybe God is okay with it, right? Make sure that whatever speck you're doing is something that God has spoken to, right? Do it biblically. Do it gently. Not only are eyes delicate, people are, right? I mean, we, we don't always know people's stories. We don't always know what people have been through. Man, do it gently, right? Don't assume. Well, I know why they're doing that. No, don't assume. Do it gently. Do it compassionately, right? Yeah, do it with loving action. Uh, do it restoringly, right? I mean, your goal is not, oh, the point of your goal is, hey, I really love you, and I want to help you be all you can be in God. And, and I think this is maybe messing it up some, and and I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not perfect either, but, but I see this thing and it, I really want you to get it out of your life so you can have the best that God has for you, right? I'm not here to condemn you and say I'm so much better than you. I just want God's best for you. And then you do it full of grace and full of truth. Amen? And as we close, I, I want to ask you to join me in praying and asking God to help us get this right. To help us do this in a way that honors him, that doesn't turn people away, but actually draws people in to the loving kindness of God. It's so important that we get this right. Just a few questions to reflect on as we get ready to sing. You know, um, do you know, okay, you know, this is where it gets real, right? I mean, do you know a Jesus follower that you love? And you know that they're on the path that's not good for them. And my question is, 
Do you love them enough to gently, compassionately, planklessly, and all those other Lees, right? You know, to say, hey, can, can we talk? Man, I'm just concerned. Do you? That's not easy. This takes courage. I guess I could put, do it courageously, right? Because it, it takes courage to do this, right? But man, if we love people, right? You know, I, I've been a coward at times, right? You know, where I, I, and how terrible, right? I mean, like if someone was in a car about to drive off a cliff and say, Mike, you know, I, I'd have told you that the cliff's only, you know, 100 feet away, but man, I thought you'd be offended that I was kind of judging your driving. And so I'll let you drive off the cliff to your death, you know. I'm sorry, dude. You'd be like, what? what? Come on, man. Right? You'd be like, what? Right? You know, if we see something, hey, well, see something, say something, right? Uh, well, and, and, and if you're a Jesus follower, right, like, like, like maybe you don't even know you have a speck. Maybe I don't have a speck, right? You know, and if someone comes to you lovingly, compassionately, who really cares about you and says, someone comes to me, hey, Steve, man, there, there's something about you. There's something you're doing. There's, there's this behavior. There's something, it's not good. It's not right. And I just wanted to tell you, because I love you too much, and I think you need to change this, right? Am I going to be, am I going to be open to that? I sure hope so, right? Um, and, and it's, again, it's so important that we get this right. And let's stop judging. Let's stop holding the world to our family values, right? It doesn't mean we don't stand up for truth, but we, we don't hold the world accountable to biblical values when they have not surrendered to Christ, Right? Now, we still can be the light and salt of the earth, right? But we need to stop doing that, right? We need to stop doing that and, and give the world a picture of, of who, who we really are. And, and I'm so thankful for a God who is patient with us. And, and, and this, again, is so very important to get right. And, and at least thinking about it this way will maybe help us do a better job, right? Yeah, and that's what it's about, right? You know, we're not coming here just to be entertained and walk out the door, right? We're coming here to encounter God's word and say, hey, what adjustment can I make when I walk out the door to be a little bit different, more like the person God wants me to be? So will you guys stand? I'm going to pray us into our closing song, and, and we're going to, you know, we take communion every week after this, and, and, um, and we also collect our offering. But let, let, me, let me pray. Oh, let me do say this. Um, I, you know, if you want to talk to me after church about joining, any question, even what I talked about, if you're like, hey, you know what? I've never been immersed into Christ and I'm ready to do that today. Whatever it is, you know, grab me, all right? Even if I'm having a conversation, you know, there's some conversations that are too important. Just grab me, yank me, and just let me know. Uh, Father God, we humbly come before you. God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you for the simple gospel. And God, we as a church, we as a people, really the first words of the song is, is what we want to be about. Uh, we want to know you, Lord, like we know a friend. God, be with us right now as we sing, as we take communion. In Jesus' name, amen.